of the podcast. My name is Jason Pepperhouse, also known as David Flavors, also known as Big Band, the Raccoon Tour. You're listening to Live to Tape here on the Executive Buffet, only available blasting off the back of Daddy's big red truck, ripping around the mountains, tearing up the grass, and ready to settle down the second you are too. Thanks for being here. I have an amazing guest today. My guest is uh, one of my best friends of all time and space. The exceptional, well, I can't say enough about this guy. You know him. His name's Duncan Trussell. He's been here many times before, and he's back, baby. And he's going to be here many, many times again. So this is yet another installment of an ongoing series we have called The Best Podcasting Ever. If you want to listen to more stuff from this podcast, check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. Check us out online for that. Also, if you wouldn't, if you, if you would, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It's easy to do, and it has a lot of good that does come from the thing you did here on the Executive Buffet, where Daddy's Big Red Truck does some crazy-ass donuts and you can be along for the ride. Now, with a slight bit of further ado, here we go. The podcast. You can use that windscreen if you want. That's a fresh, pressed windscreen right there. This Open is that a up. very... Very hygienic so This is high end. We're outdoors. This is the backyard cast. We're outdoors under a nice little portico, a porch, if you want to call it that. It's a beautiful yard. I'm sure everyone says that. People say it. it. People say it's it. It's an incredible yard. It's mystical. You it's know what? Hari Krishna temple feel to it. It's definitely, it's got that thing. I always say it looks like uh, it's been manu- uh, manicured by uh, a team of prisoners. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very, very organized. We're looking at a thing here. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like this is where you will find yourself after you've washed up on a desert island. You're sure you're alone. Then you fall asleep and you wake up and you're in this garden. And Mm -hmm. Johnny comes out with headphones and a microphone and just says, look, I know you've got a lot of questions, but I'm doing a podcast on my island here, and I know you've got a lot of questions about what this is, but let's just pretend you know me. Let's just pretend you know me. So, here, 
You're outside. Are you thirsty? I'm sorry, I forgot to give you water. Here you go. You've lost a lot of weight. Take drink from this coconut husk. It's water. Just so you know, that bird that you managed to kill with a rock was, well, that was one of my best friends. But it's okay. It's okay, you're hungry. For years, he's lived his life knowing that that moment was coming today. Because the cycle of life is such that sometimes we are the eater and sometimes we're the food. The Sankofa bird knows that it's going to die, and it travels back from the future to the present, understanding that it's Wave traveling. Beats music. What the fuck is this? Oh, it's got a fucking thing in it. <laughs> Wave beats I... music. It traveled here to it traveled to die. Many things travel to this island to die. In fact, some people would say that it's an island of death, but without death, how do you get life? Without death, how do you get that life? Without life, well, there'd be no death. Without life, there'd be no death. And without breath, there'd be no lack of breath. Without breath, there'd be no lack of breath. And without vision, there'd be no blindness. Without vision, there'd be no no see. Without a stomach, there'd be no food to eat. Without a stomach, there'd be no food to eat. Everything, everything has its opposite. Everything has its opposite. O P P O S I T E. So if you want to know how to get to where you want to be, just feel the way you are when you're not where you're at and reverse it. If you want to know what you feel like that, what you feel before you do, just reverse it. Reverse engineer your mood. Hey. It's called the law of opposites. Law of opposites. Before you find out where you're going, you need to look at where you came from. That's before why you find out where you're going. That's why we at Raytheon Polar Services have found a way to reverse engineer the human genome. We do it backwards. At Raytheon, sometimes you have to go backwards to go forward. You want to go forward? We've teamed up. Turn around. Chemical giant Bear and Monsanto, as well as Halliburton Oil Field Servicing Company. Gotta service the oil field. To find a new way forward with energy independence here in the United States of America. We don't need no energy. Coca-Cola and Disney present a new type of energy. Yeah, it comes from your soul. Oh. Finally, an energy that's as pure as you are. Your soul is better than coal. Your soul is better than coal. Here on Disney Monsanto Bear, Bosch presents a new type of dishwasher. You can fuel that washer with your soul. Wash yourself clean and step into the light, because today is a new day. Sell your soul. Today is a new day under the sun. Sell us your soul. The power derived from multiple energetic upload sources. Today is a new day. Nothing Bear. more than your soul. Find your soul. Reach out and grab someone here, online, the World Wide Web. Please bring us everything you have and we'll give you nothing in return. We'll give you everything back. You get back nothing, but nothing is what the universe is held inside of. Step inside the light of dawn. 
A small child named Kennedy finds her way through a field with dogs made of glass. <laughs> she sees the glass dogs and sits for a moment, wondering if this is a dream. Director Terrence Malick presents A Glass Dog Dream by Shardhouse. Shardhouse, the award-winning production company, which has recently received the Prelinger Archive Golden Tums Award, brings to you a riveting film by the mind of Malick. AMC and Yardhouse Ales present <laughs> AMC and Yardhouse Ales present a vision a vision of condolescence. HBO and Purple Mattresses brings to you HBO and Purple Mattress present Yardhouse Ales the movie at AMC only featuring designs by Tesla <laughs> Motors and Tesla have combined with AMC to bring you Yardhouse Ales. Apple Incorporated in conjunction with Google. And Steve Cook. And Steve Cook bring to you a production by the same production company that made The Witch. The Witcher and The Witch combine to find a new The Cadillac of Cadillacs. Blizzard Incorporated brings you a new Cadillac in conjunction with Apple. In conjunction with Apple, we'll find a way to outsmart the light and bring you energy in a particle form that's also a wave. We used to hiss at the light, but now we harness it. Hissing, it's done. We used to hiss at the light and be afraid of it, but now we've made it our slave. Find a new smell today. Using your third eye, you can smell the light produced telekinetic fashion only available to subscribers subscribers will receive a neural lace mesh <laughs> implant <laughs> subscribers of transvaginal neural mesh will receive an implant they can check in with a touch contactless touch implant no longer will you be out of the reach of your friends and family the neural mesh lace net a garter belt for your mind. Step into Gerard, the new... Welcome to Gerard. The new neural uplink, Gerard, brought to you by everyone we mentioned today. Just think, Gerard. Gerard, new day. Follow your spirit. Step into the light, Gerard. Gerard, what will the weather be like today? <laughs> today will be partly <laughs> sunny. <laughs> Gerard? The worst name for one of the AI. bots. They put a lot of money into it, and now it's called Gerard. Gerard, can you order a pail of diapers for me, please? <laughs> en route. It's what if Gerard was like, it's en route. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a, they, that's the problem with all this AI is everything is too clean. They need to have guys like what? <laughs> I know. The AI should say, I'm sorry. What? To me, nothing points more towards the kind of like lack of creativity a lot of these companies seem to have or the the uh, the lack of risk taking in the sense that why do i why am i limited mm -hmm. to the fucking apple siri hello or to the alexa or whatever the fuck or the the male version of that yeah i've always wondered that like i don't want that clean i don't when i go like Fuck you to Siri and uh -huh. their response is like, I'm not sure I understand that. I'm sorry. I don't 
choose to engage with that. Yeah, that's so. Aw- I want it to be like, no, fuck you. The best would be if it was Goggins. Oh my god, it's David Goggins, Siri. Uh. Uh, Siri, what's the weather today? Doesn't fucking matter what the weather is. Cause you're gonna go out. <laughs> I, I went outside when I was in Bunt. It was 175 degrees out there. I put on a sweatshirt, right? I put on a sweatshirt because I knew when I was out there, <laughs> I was gonna be wearing so many sweatshirts that the other guys they were gonna see that and know. <laughs> Look, I was parrot out when out. What's it called? I was in buds. When I was in buds. I was in buds. When I was in buds, we, we parachuted down in a volcano, active volcano, and other other. I saw the other team members go tell the size of the volcano. I went straight to the lava. <laughs> I was like, "Why are you gonna avoid, avoid the lava? You're gonna avoid it, but it's gonna get you." <laughs> so I was like. How come I, I, what I did is I, I took a bunch of blankets. I taped up my legs with the blankets. And I stuck stood in the lava. I said, lava, go for it. Try to get me. And it didn't burn me. Because I knew they had those blankets. My girlfriend. My girlfriend. My threw away my ketchup bottle. And I tore it open and scraped enough ketchup <laughs> from the bottom of the last 17 years. <laughs> Goggins, 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 we need more ketchup. Cut it, bitch. Cut open the bottle, (laughs) (laughs) bitch. Cut open the fucking bottle and scrape it out. (laughs) He is such a survivor. (laughs) Goggins really might be the last person on Earth. Like he He really might be the remaining human, and then that's it. Just Goggins on the planet, running for the last few years of his life. Just running, like Forrest Gump. Goggins, I, you, have you ever thought about having him on your podcast? Oh my god, I'm not. You could get him. I, no, I, I might be able to, but my, I don't know. But my, my feeling with Goggins is, the only time that I feel like I have the right to even ask him to be on my podcast yeah. is if I manage to get in insane shape, not just start exercising, but I mean, I think for to to honor him in the way he deserves to be honored, I would have to fully like commit to his recommendations Mm -hmm. for about a year and then get like go past where I think I can go and then that way when I have him on the podcast I could be like you know I I could be like let's fucking race bitch and then I would race him and win no I no I don't know what I'm saying you know I would no I I, you know what I mean like I, I a person like that right is I think to honor a person like to have a person like that on your podcast when you intellectually appreciate him, right, is kind of an insult to him, right? Because it goes in, it's like the opposite of what he is talking about. Sort of, but I was thinking about this just just the other day about how he, um, like he says all this stuff about fitness and stuff. I think that's just sort of his personal thing on it. You know what I mean? His whole thing is that he, um, I feel like the whole idea is. If you can take what he says but apply it to your shit, yeah. As opposed to, like, he's talking about fitness for him, yeah, and ment- and like um, physical stuff. But he does it through mental stamina is how you conquer the physical right. stuff. And so, for me, it was always like, okay, how do I apply this to my life? Because obviously, I don't want to be a fucking triathlete. I'm not interested in that. So, how do you apply it to your life? Well, I think that's the hard thing is figuring out how to translate that idea of being a fucking like ranger. 
translating that into being like a um, to doing that with something that's not physical. Well, it's, it's, that's the hardest thing, right? It's you, translating that the, shit. The to me, what that one version of that is. This is something I, I've been thinking about. Right, is like how you through like mindfulness or through some kind of consciousness exercise. Right. You start recognizing that you, you know, how every day you might be in a different mood. And then yeah. you start getting familiar with those moods. Like some days you're in a good mood. Some days you're in a bad mood. Then you get nuanced with what that means. And then you start understanding like sometimes the bad mood is related to I'm sleepy. Or yeah. sometimes the bad mood is related to not drinking enough water, whatever it may be. But to me, one one of the benefits of recognizing, oh, fuck, I'm in a kind of like groggy, shitty mood. Mm-hmm. Is that and where the Goggins thing would come in is you think, fuck, well, I'm not going to let that control whether or not I'm kind to the people around me. I'm not going to let that affect yeah. my general like sense of like, man, I don't want to shit talk today. I don't want to complain today. I'm going to try to raise uplift the people around me if I can. I'm going to like not let my particular energetic state become the arbiter of my actions yeah and so then you start and sometimes that's really easy to do but sometimes man if you're fucking exhausted you're you're tired you're dis something didn't work out for you you're yeah. disappointed you're pissed try to be kind to people around you and then on top of that try to like elevate people around you Ooh, it's a challenge but mm-hmm. you could do it and then the more you start doing that the more you gain liberty over your moods you you you're not like functioning under this like autocratic fascist like interior subjective government that's being ruled by a fucking lunatic which is whatever your particular transitory emotional state right, is because you're deciding that that is that exterior thing is how you it's responsible for how you feel you yeah. feel bad because well, I would feel good, but we got this fucking thing going on that's yeah. not good. And it's like, okay, well, you can't change that. Yeah. All you can do is change your response to it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like that, you know, like how much, like, you know, I, like some people are codependent, right? And so yeah. for them to be happy, they need everyone around them to be happy. Yeah. What a disaster. Yeah. You, you, you're going to wait to be happy or you're going to wait to like act in a way that is like, pro community whatever your community may be until the people in your community are fucking happy now you've got a negative feedback loop going because it's like well maybe the people in your fucking community are waiting for you to be happy while you're waiting for them to be happy yeah it's, it's like a, a disaster it's yeah it doesn't work because it's just it's like a yeah, negative feedback loop is a good way to describe it for sure yeah and that that can go on for an entire lifetime until suddenly you realize like okay i'm not gonna let so like goggins is like this motherfucker's out in the like, you know, it's like hailstones are falling out of the sky the size I love of. Him. I love him. He's punching them out of the sky. I was thirsty, so I ate some rocks. Yeah, yeah. What I found was. Yeah, but you know that does speak to the kind of like. Sorry, man. I just, uh, I got to finish this construction project, which is why I brought the saw over here, dude. <laughs> but that speaks to his, you know, like the human ability to overcome anything. What, your hat, your hat, and your and your uh, your, your muffs malfunctioned. Uh, what I what I'm interested about Goggins the most is that, like, he still posts all this stuff about like, you know, being a badass, being a motherfucker, and everything like that. But in that in that like second to last chapter of his most recent book, he basically said how all the stuff he was doing his entire life was kind of wrong. He was doing it to 
to win over people. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to show these motherfuckers. I'm going to show them. And yeah. how all that, he did. He, did, he went so far, and I didn't do anything. Because he was, like, doing it for the wrong reasons. He And he realized he was going to, remember he, that part where he talks about he was, like, going to die. And he started doing all this stretching, which is basically yeah. yoga. He was doing yoga. Yeah. But he calls it stretching because he's such a fucking meathead. He can't say it's yoga. Yeah, <laughs> right. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like the, what do you call it, the, um. Like the Buddha who doesn't want to be a Buddha. Right. He's like refuses to accept the fact that he's like actually like this spiritual teacher. Totally enlightened. But yeah. he acts like, oh, I just stretched a bunch from some guy who taught us about stretching. Yeah. And really he was he was all doing this whole process where he was forgiving himself. Right. He was allowing himself not to. He was forgiving everything, which was like a lifetime of all this deep seated emotional shit where he was just so fucking angry because of yeah. how he was tortured as a kid. Yeah, I think that gets overlooked so much by him because he's kind of such a meat, such a grunt. I guess not a meathead, but like a, such a grunt that he always talks about the perseverance aspect of it, but he doesn't talk about that aspect of like you have. There's nothing you can possibly do. You can climb up like a thousand mountains, but it's not going to change the fact if you can't um, forgive yourself and others in your life for yeah. who they are. Yeah, that's the first right there. That's yeah. the that again to me that that's him discovering like oh I've got to do for my subjective landscape what I've been I've got to interact with my subjective landscape the way I've been interacting with my external landscape which yeah. is first you got to acknowledge it like that's the first thing yeah. you got to admit to yourself like oh my god I've got all these resentments and all this bitterness oh just loaded with it oh man I mean this to me this is like the useful thing about having people you're pissed off at at first just because it like if, if you're if anybody it doesn't matter who the fuck it is it could be Delta Airlines Delta Airlines <laughs> but you know most people have like at least one person in their life that they feel a kind a very special kind of darkness towards, right? Oh, right, like a anybody. Like you want to torture them. Yeah, mm -hmm. like you just can't believe them. You yeah. just can't believe it. <laughs> and, and and that person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but when you like bring that person to mind, in, instead of like getting like caught up in the story, just look at the way that person makes you feel when you bring. Just all you have to do is bring their image. I challenge you, people out there right now, bring to mind if you have that person, just bring them to mind. Forget the story about the person. Bring them to mind, and then look at the way you feel inside. You know what I mean? And then you realize, Jesus Christ, man, those those people, they're, they they take they up a lot of energy. You. Yeah. They take up literal processing power. Like mm -hmm. It's like when you have apps open on your phone, and your phone starts slowing down. Every one of your enemies is like an app that's draining your power. They're not there anymore, but they've managed to implant themselves in you or you've let them in really yeah and then you so every time you forgive one of them and to me forgiveness just means closing the app down then you get that much more processing power and you right. start closing all those apps down then all of a sudden you know you're mo you you feel lighter i think that's why they call it enlightenment because it's literally like you're you're lighter. lightning yeah you're yeah. getting lighter you know like you're just lightening your right. you're just turning off apps i think enlightenment really just might be an archaic name for closing down unnecessary apps in your processor. Yeah, because you can't, I mean, to go back to the whole Goggins thing, I think about it, when he talks about his body being all bound up and knotted, it's because he was, like, holding on to all this shit. Yeah. He's, like, holding on to it. So it's like you're gnarled. You're, all, you're spending all this energy yeah. and you're all fucking bound up. Yeah. And really, you just have to basically 
decide not to give a fuck. It's just so hard yeah. to not give a fuck. It's like this thing where we're like so programmed to give so many fucks about so many things. It's like such a difficult thing. Well, to do. I think you get this is my I, I this is my thinking on it currently, which is because I've tried not giving a fuck with very little success. Because mm -hmm. usually what ends up happening is I fake. Fake not giving a fuck. F yeah, but I still give a fuck. Yeah. And so that's just more processing power. Because now on top of giving a fuck, I'm having to act like I don't give a fuck. Now I'm running a whole different set of shitty processors. Yeah. Or programs or apps or whatever word you want to use for it. But like, so to me, it's more like, okay, I clearly give a fuck. But then, and this is something David Nickturn is done a good job of teaching me is a kind of analysis of the energy form instead of the story attached to the energy form so now okay. it's like okay i'm going to strip away the face from the energy form i'm going to strip away the memory from the energy form and just look at the fucking energy form and then just that and then you realize oh well it's energy it's like this is the main thing that i'm figuring out is like all of it is fuel like we, you know, think of like the first person who was unlucky enough to stumble upon some plutonium. I don't right. know where they found that shit. They probably got burned. Well, they probably died, yeah. right? Like, but you know, when people found radioactive uh, isotopes or ore or whatever, it glowed. It had, it must have seemed magical. Yeah. But then they started handling it and then they got sick. You know, I don't know the story of where people found the first radioactive thing. Yeah, I know I like Marie that. Curie, they had to like, you still, if you go study your notes, you got to wear a hazmat suit. Oh, because it's all loaded with uh, all these ions. It's yeah. All these, uh, yeah. Radioactive particles. Yeah, that's it. So, like, mm -hmm. I think, like, the way to look at the dense emotions or the dense energy forms is instead of what a lot of people do is they avoid them because they, they, they do intuit that they're bad for you. Yeah. But and then some people, they fixate on them. And those are the people who get really sick because instead of like at least the people who are trying to like look at other aspects of themselves and sort of maybe not fixate on it, they I, they do a little better. They're still they're the ones who have the people who ignore it are the ones who get like you like that book you gave me. They're the ones who get the back pain. Oh, right? right, yeah, yeah, the, back pain. Yeah, they're the ones who get all the uh, like the weird yeah. psychosomatic disorders mm -hmm. and stuff because the radiation's still there. But they're not directly looking at it, so they just feel like, "What's a f what? My knees are bad, or my it's neck displaced." Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then the fucking people who fixate on it—they're the ones who get really fucked up because they're not—they're like they magnify and propel it. Right. But then there's a way to like therapy and the path of healing and all that shit is the beginning of like working with it in a in a mm -hmm. careful way. And I think it's like you know, this, it's one of the most powerful aspects of yourself or all the parts of yourself you ignore, all the parts of yourself you don't like, all the parts of yourself you're embarrassed about, all your guilt, yeah. all your shame. That's rocket fuel. That's so much juice mm -hmm. right there. You know, artists are always like, I don't feel inspired today. It's like, go into the part of yourself you feel guilty about, yeah. you're ashamed of, use that as your engine mm -hmm. and attach it to a character. You know what I mean? Attach it to an idea or just play music with that feeling in your body or you can basically take that thing that you like the shame or the embarrassment the thing you don't want to share but you share it in a thing that's like just a little bit removed from yourself that's so kind of like so you can look at it that's so it you, it's like basically what because i remember hearing a while ago uh when i first was taking acting class they were talking about how back like i don't know 100 years ago when the first sort of 
or well, not maybe even long ago, but when some sort of early psychology, modern psychology, kind of is akin to a lot of acting theory because they were working in the same spaces. It's a lot of people who were, yeah. all these people who were actors were people who were super fucked up brains or experiences, and they would they would go into acting because they would be sort of like transmute those experiences into a performance and how it's all these techniques you use in class to find emotions and define things is are the some of this almost identical techniques people use in therapy yeah just thing where you're taking the thing that's hot and dirty and shameful but you're saying it out loud and you're transmuting it maybe through like a character or something that allows you to to expel it or to express it in yeah. a way that you feel like you're not going to be judged or destroyed by destroyed by it that's it yeah and it's that to me that's li- that's like that's the subjective equivalent of discovering how to like you know uh, d- discovering electricity that's the yeah. that's the subjective equi- equivalent it's alchemy in a way it is it's not yeah. in a way it's literal alchemy <laughs> yeah and and the the but you know this is like it's it's cuz what you're doing is you're taking a thing that formerly was draining your energy mm-hmm. And you're converting it into a thing that is giving, giving you, you so much energy. So much energy. Oh, it's like the most. Uh, like anytime I've ever done like a joke where I was like super nervous about it because it was too, too personal. Yeah. And you do it, and it does even the slightest bit of does even just a little bit of good. Like even it doesn't have to kill. It just has to be not. People didn't fucking go boo. As long yeah. as people didn't boo, it becomes so like uh, energizing. It's yeah. crazy how much that. Is like an energizing thing as opposed to the opposite. It's so beautiful. I mean, this yeah. is like the, you know, th- to me that when you start really like letting yourself look at how you feel and then, not, you know, not just look at like, man, I feel weird today, but mm-hmm. like really look at like that. And then the, you're essentially like understanding like, look, you, it's not a hippie thing to say. Yeah. You're energy. That's what you are. You are, you are energy and your energy that is, you know, sort of uh, interacting with phono- with other energy forms in a, a way mm-hmm. that a lot of people think is they don't even realize that they don't have to interact in that way. Yeah. You know, and, and so and then you start that's to me the beginning of true alchemy is like because alchemy, though, obviously it's a real thing. It was a real thing. It still is a real thing. But not all of us. I don't have access to a like a laboratory. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't know the first thing about beakers or sulfur, or mercury, or taking, you know, water and mixing it with like the right amount and kind of salt and putting it. You know, what real alchemists do, or, or sort of like condensing um, extractions, like some do, working with like blue lotus and all that weird what shit. What the hell is that? It's like a blue lotus. I think it's called blue. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, like look at you know Damien Eccles has got a great YouTube channel oh, where cool. he does this shit. You could watch it, but it's like, you know, that real alchemy is is a a practice of that that typically or literally is attached to a series of processes that you're engaged in to create an extraction, mm-hmm. transmute do a transmutation, 
it's exactly what you're doing in your garden. Yeah, it's a 3D printer kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you look like when I'm when we're looking out at your garden here, right. This is a bioorganic alchemical laboratory. You're using various chemicals that amplify a particular kind of transmutation you're doing, which is right. you are in the process of using the sun, the earth, and H2O to convert seeds into thriving energy forms. Little that you, factories. Little factories. Yeah. And then you, those factories are printing out food for you mm -hmm. and then you're that that goes into your factory right. which it makes you move around and yeah. so it's like pretty much everything is the thing but you know when you start looking at your life in those terms it's specifically like you realize man you are the laboratory and all yeah. the energetic forms inside of you are the various beakers you've got simmering and cooking and if you've got an untended alchemical laboratory where you're experiencing like things a lot of people experience which is for example explosions Mm -hmm. That just means that you're not tending to one of these, like, it means you've got some kind of thing in your laboratory it's that you're not, you're not venting. Yeah. You got a steam chamber that you're not venting or whatever it may be. And so it's blowing out at random times, quote, random times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're yeah. acting all surprised every time you have to pick up the mess that yeah. this thing keeps doing. So you, so instead of like, you start, so the first thing is like, what? The shit in your life that's causing you the most problems is probably the most powerful thing inside of you. Yeah. It's that thing where, uh, you know, you think about um, there's so many things that when you realize, oh, this just takes constant maintenance. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard realization. There's so many things where you feel good for a little bit. And, oh, this is, see, everything's working fine, but yeah. then. It just takes so little time for stuff to, to. Well, I think it goes both ways though too. A lot of times you be feeling absolute like total shit, terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible, and you just rest for half a day, and you feel like wow, I all I needed was twelve hours of rest, like twelve hours of actual rest, yeah. and everything's back, and you just like how could I feel so bad before that? It's all because it's like you didn't rest. Yeah, he just needs some rest. You had to recharge, you know. But yeah. or you don't like a lot of people. This is a thing. Look into like Tumo breathing. Tumo. Yeah, it's a well, Tibetan breathing. It's like basically the Wim Hof method. It's is it six in, six hold, yeah. six out. Yeah, six hold. Yeah, it's okay. some, it's a version of that. But like uh, David was telling me, like this, you know, because the lineage of Buddhism I study, the you know within that lineage is this uh, teacher called Dilgo Kitsi Rinpoche. And he was like the... That's not the same as Trogun. Right? No, but okay. he was Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche's teacher. He was the Dalai Lama's teacher. You just don't hear about him. Oh, what's his name? Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche. Look him up. Dilgo? Yeah. That's a cool name. I know. It sounds straight out of The Hobbit. Dilgo... Oh, oh yeah. This is a crazy name. Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche? Yeah, Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche. Wow, this guy looks cool. He's cool as fuck, man. Yeah, yeah he's cool as fuck. He's amazing. And... So but he's not that, this is not that long ago, is it? Not that long ago. He's gone now, but like, basically, he was like a reservoir of all these lineages of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, they're like huge penis. You think? I don't know. <laughs> that are like the tiniest, or like a really weird shape. It's like a triangle. Or I, some honestly, shit. I would imagine he probably he he probably could like transform that according to whatever he wanted to do. I don't know what this is. This is some hour long video. 
Yeah, it's a great. St- it's his story. Rabbit. Rabbit is, is it? one of his yeah. favorite. It's called Brilliant uh, Moon. Yeah. Dilgo Kensi Rinpoche. Dilgo Kensi Yangtze, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Interesting. What we were saying about him though, you were saying that this guy Dilgo. Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche was like, well, what David was telling me, you know, it's just a fascinating being, but he's the kind of being where like, you know, you get around like somebody mm-hmm. and they'll say to you some bullshit that you read on the back of a cereal box. Like, right. you know, love, love your enemies. And you're like, all right. Yeah. But then if you get around someone like that and he says it to you, it can ch- like, it can change your life forever because when he says it, he did it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When he says it, he's saying it's like you. living proof of it working, yeah. of it being a yeah. thing, as opposed to just like this sort of trite observation. Exactly. Yeah. Because he's in it. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, like the Chogyam Trumpa talks about him and he says like he didn't understand it when you, you know, because he was a Rinpoche taken into the monasteries when he was a kid. But what is a Rinpoche a certain type of thing? He, well, it's like a, a lot of the times it's a, it's a, it's a, Tolku. It's like someone who has been. <laughs> I've never heard of these words. I know they're great language. Tolku. I love Tibet. It's so. It's like uh, so. Basically, the idea is it really like gets back into what we were talking about before, which, right. which is uh, once you start working with the energetic form that you are like in right now, that right. you're is in your awareness field, instead of letting the energetic form be in control of you. Then at that moment, you like essentially that past life, you have a past life. The past mm-hmm. life was when you were being controlled by your energies. Okay. So your energies were based, essentially you were like. Um, Almost like a child. You, yeah, or, or like a candle or something. And You know what I mean? Or just like a chemical reaction. You right. were just like, uh, you know, if you were in a bad mood, you acted like an asshole. If you're in a good mood, you acted happy. Yeah. If you didn't trust somebody, you were mean to them. Mm-hmm. If you trusted somebody, you were nice to them. Yeah, you're just re- you're reacting. You're re- you're a reactor. Uh-huh. And and so, and you just think that's the way you're supposed to be. You uh-huh. you might have this weird sense inside of you of feeling trapped or like stuck, or you just have a general loathsome feeling regarding your existence and the reason you have that feeling is the same anybody in a cage feels the same way Mm -hmm. it's like a you know you see a depressed bird in a cage those poor motherfuckers or anything in a cage they're like you go to the zoo and you look at the way the the chimpanzees yeah they're not they're baleful they're moving around and like weird cyclical patterns kind of thing yeah checking the corners yeah that's you Mm -hmm. but the cage is your energetic form that you haven't even begun to work with you don't even realize that the cage is actually made of like energy bars that you can start removing to build a spaceship to like travel around in essentially it's like basically like somebody sent you an i a massive box of ikea shit and instead of using it to build some awesome structure you built a cage around yourself and now you're sitting in there all depressed that's a funny idea that's totally that's a really funny idea yeah. You just like built your own. Here, build your own cage. Here you go. Yeah. It, well, it's like, it's almost as though like somebody's like, okay, look, I'm going to put you in the simulator mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you everything you need to be like enlightened. Right. And so you take everything that was given to you and in this like conditioned state, <laughs> you build the opposite of enlightenment. You build a thing to trap you. You build like a fucking gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you build a gun yeah. and you just start shooting people with it or you build whatever it may be. And, so, right. and, and it's a really this is why when you run into people who are really, really 
uh, in a rough state, uh, you realize there's not much you can do mm -hmm. because these people always are victims. Yeah, they'll take everything and make uh, a gun or a wall with it. Mm -hmm. It's like anything you give them, it's like, okay, I'm going to use this to further, because it's like, it's that self-reinforcing thing where you are, you've decided you feel this way, and if you decide you feel a certain way, everything you get that comes in is like, oh, yep, see, that's that again. Yeah. It's, oh, this is, this is my, this is my sciatica. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? That's my sciatica again. Yeah. Yeah. It's also crazy when you see that stuff because it makes it really hard not to, um, like, it's so hard not to be, uh, I guess the word is didactic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's Because so much of that stuff is you can't tell people, you can't tell someone, you know what, maybe you're um, thinking about this. I guess you, there's a way to do it, but that, that's the hard thing is to be like, is to how to help someone without being... Um, didactic to, uh, to trying to be preachy and having me be like, you have to look at what you're doing because you're hurting yourself here. You're not, you're hurting yourself by continuing to, to interpret things in a way that's that's uh, harmful as opposed to like healing. Yeah, man, I, I agree. I mean, that's the, you know, anytime you find yourself, you know, you might find yourself around somebody, and you are legitimately waking up. You're legitimately beginning to like do crazy tricks in the laboratory of your existence and you're astounded by all the shit you're figuring out. Yeah. And then you're around somebody who hasn't quite figured this out yet. And, and because selfishly you, and also because you haven't really figured it out all the way yet, yeah. you feel threatened by them because, because their darkness or their like fixation on all the negative things in the world actually is impacting you because you haven't learned how to work with, with, that energy around you yet. You're just working with the energy inside of you. So mm -hmm. sometimes you'll get around, sometimes people confuse their like missionary impulse. They think they're like actually trying to save people when really what they're trying to do is save like themselves? convert, like convert people around them, not because they want them to be happy, but because they're too weak to maintain the state of consciousness that they're in unless everyone around them is Ooh, like that. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense because it's it's so difficult to to be like a singular something inside that when yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's not fair and it's and which is why I think people have a legitimate resistance to to you in that state of missionary work because if you really look at your mood it's fear and aggression like mm -hmm. you're afraid that you're going to get contaminated by them you're afraid that they're going to like sneeze yeah. their and you're going to go back down into the place that you managed to get yourself out of right but then again you're forgetting the main thing is like what you're learning is that actually there is no energetic form in the universe that can threaten you there is no energetic form of the universe that can't be surfed on there is no energetic form and if you start playing around with the idea that literally anything happening to you is a love letter from the universe anything happening to you mm -hmm. is a gift right then all of a sudden you know all their negativity it hits your practice and it's not like you're like don't you see though the sky is so beautiful today <laughs> instead of that you open up and and you expand that's another thing is like you know expanse like you you don't just don't make yourself a target like you know the part of you that's catching their negativity mm -hmm. what is that part of you that's what I've, i noticed there's a real way to just like 
and notice, okay, well, yeah, there's a part of me that's really fucking annoyed by grumpy ass over here. Yeah. But then it's like, but that's not all of me. There's all these other parts of me that are, this doesn't bother me at all. Like they, they're in a bad mood. That sucks. Yeah. But I, okay. And there's a part of me that like the dark part of me, my fuel chamber is picking up their negativity, but I'll just work with that later. Mm-hmm. That's the, t- but uh, yeah. And, but then that's I, also in Buddhism, there's like a various like methods advised for the, for like working with people. And uh, one of them is like, inclusion so that in other right. words like in, generally it's like opening up enough to bring so if someone's in a shitty situation if you can like right re- at the very least recognize the part of yourself that's annoyed with their annoyance mm-hmm. and then allow that to kind of exist on its own as it always does anyway and then just start listening to them mm-hmm. uh, you know really hear how annoyed they are just that alone just oh i'm, I'm listening to you now you don't even have to fix it. You just really listen with your whole body. Yeah. And they'll start, that, paradoxically, they'll, they might start lightening up a little bit. A lot of times people do, even just in the in a real, like, basic sense, like, even, like, in like a documentary or something, a lot of times if you let someone just speak, they tend to burn themselves out and sort of, uh, most people tend to sort of be, look at what they're saying or doing after a while and be like, Okay, I don't really uh, enjoy doing this. I don't really enjoy expounding on how much I hate the fucking sound of leaf blowers for more than a few minutes because you start to be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is like, it sounds ridiculous. It's kind of, I think it's for me, it's like probably the only real benefit of therapy a lot of times is just you get to hear yourself what it sounds like to complain about something. It's like, Wow, this really doesn't sound so interesting, or also doesn't sound that significant. Yeah, it's like when you put it, when you actually say it, you're like, "Oh, this is, I, I, I guess this is kind of ridiculous." Yeah, or it's the opposite where you find, "Oh, I realize why this is happening," but it's like if you can listen to someone when they're like fucking going off, and he fucking did this, and he fucking did that, and and you just keep listening, and like, yeah, and he just, uh, yeah, and it's so, yeah, fucking. Yeah, <laughs> it's at some point, it just the, the the thing burns itself out. It's a form of crying. Totally, yeah, absolutely. They're just crying with their mouth. Yeah. Instead of the tears, and you just let them cry. It's like right. they're mewling. Because you got to get it out. You. That's the way they're they're venting the steam valve. I mm-hmm. mean, in, in a way, I guess it's better for them. It, and, and this is where a real service could happen. Is like you just recognize, like, okay, right now this the way this person is letting off steam is by a constant, never-ending chain of complaint. Yeah. And and so if you tell a person like that to shut the fuck up, if you goggins them... <laughs> Bitch! Yeah. Are you really complaining right now? You are completely crazy because your stomach's full. Yeah. Your fucking legs are working. You're walking around, mm-hmm. you're talking, you can breathe, you're on a fucking planet. Depending on who you're talking to, you're fucking white. You know what I mean? Right. You could do, you know what I mean? Like you, you could do that style. Yeah. That's in, in Buddhism, that's called, that's the last resort. It's the sword. It's cutting. Oh, okay. So that's called cutting. Because it's kind of aggressive. 
Well, you know, the way I just did it is aggressive. Mm -hmm. But generally, actually, it's even worse than that. Okay. Because it's not aggressive. A lot of the times, it can be a smile at just the right moment. Mm -hmm. It can be a look. It just It's that thing where someone you really, really love in an incredibly graceful, polite way shows you that they know everything you think you're hiding and they still love you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's very, sometimes it, it's like, it generally like it doesn't even look like what I just did. It doesn't look like Goggins. Mm -hmm. It's real, and it's not syrupy or passive aggressive, but it's, it's this loving thing that can hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's when somebody points out a thing regarding a, your art or a good critique of your Ooh, art. Yeah, that's, you know what the, I mean? that's the worst ever. And it hurts, Ooh. but it, when it's done with love, it, it hurts short term, but long term, it opens you up to yeah. like a, so yeah, that's cutting. It's, it's, but sometimes it could be aggressive. It just, that's the thing with these, the, in Buddhism, everything, there isn't a single way. It's like, mm -hmm. it's all based on the, the idea that everything's constantly changing. So there's going to be a different method for every moment. So, yeah, yeah, but you, ultimately it's like, it's an inside job, like they say, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. a, it's, it, you're going to do way better, like, working on your own laboratory than working on someone else's laboratory. Do you ever think about the idea that, uh, I just finished that book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I feel like that's the, the last self-help book I'm probably going to read for maybe a I don't know, for forever, basically. You're, you're self-helped out, or you just don't need any more? Well, a little bit of both. Uh, I'm self-helped self -helped out. I also watched some video about the self-help industry. Netflix, it's called. Oh, wasn't that? It was something on YouTube. It's, it's all the same message. It's basically about how most of self-help stuff is like this industry of maintaining you in a state of, of almost fixed to extract money. And also the idea that anytime you finish a self-help book, you get like a, like a dopamine rush. Oh, it's like wow. a thing that happens, and I, I was like, I'm guilty. Not guilty, but I've had to experience that for real. And now that subtle art of not giving a fuck is very short, and it's very plain. It's very just like, it's extremely Buddhist in a way. All the stuff he talks What's about. What's the synopsis? Essentially, it's just that you have to, um, well, he talks about how, obviously, you can't eliminate suffering. Actually, one of the first stories he talks about is Siddhartha leaving the palace and living for a couple years as a, as a bum, you know, experiencing all the suffering, experiencing all these negative things that he didn't get to experience because he was sheltered by his father, and realizing that it doesn't matter, that isn't, that's not the path to enlightenment either. Like the idea of being like uh, living in in, tr in shit is not the path. It's the idea that you cannot eliminate suffering, so you have to decide what it is how you will suffer hmm. how how you will react to suffering because you cannot eliminate it it's yeah. not possible so the idea is like his sort of update of it is that the idea is uh you have to choose what you will suffer for you have to w what is the thing that you are going to suffer for because you're going to suffer he's the best analogy he has is uh imagine running a marathon and your family and friends are cheering you on the sidelines you finish it and it's like this glorious thing you trained for yeah. it felt so good versus someone who has to run 26.2 miles because if they don't their family will be killed it's like it's both it's the exact same achievement it's just the the um the how, the reason you have to do it and one is you're choosing to suffer you're choosing to suffer to do this thing the other one is you're being forced to so it's this dramatic scary yeah. thing 
And the idea is that you can do all this stuff as long as you you have to ch- pick your you have to pick what you're going to suffer for because if you don't, you end up suffering for all kinds of dumb, insane, stupid, inane bullshit. Yeah. Just like all kinds of you're going to die on these little anthills when really you want to choose what you're suffering about otherwise everything just controls you that's that's hilarious it's really it's so interesting because you find yourself being like yeah why don't i why am i giving a fuck about this at all because it's just like we talked about earlier like you're just expending all this energy uh. on something where it really it's like oh this doesn't matter like you just like you can't do anything about it and why would i be a, make this a thing what gets me uh, what made me think about it the most? Well, this is the kind of thing I feel like is the hardest thing. Is that he talks about how when he was like maybe seventeen, maybe nineteen, something like pretty pretty young. He one of his best friends was killed, like jumping off a um, uh, he was cliff diving or some shit, right? Just random accident. Yeah. He just saw him five minutes before I was at a party, and the guy died. And it was like a, it was his best friend, and super impactful to him. And there's so many people who you see like. Uh, who were able to trans to to translate or give off this message of of living in the moment and just all the stuff we're talking about? But so many of them you find are people who've had these these great experiences of suffering early on in their life, like almost yeah. dying. Or um, I always think about that scene in that movie uh, "I Love You, Philip Morris," where Jim. It's at the beginning of the movie. Have you seen that movie before? No. It's one of my favorite movies ever made. It's one of the funniest, weirdest movies ever made. It got kind of shelved because it has like this kind of gratuitous gay sex scene between Ewan McGregor and Jim Carrey. So it kind of it was like two. It was like two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay. So it was before people were ready for that shit. Yeah. But um, he uh, he's has he's married. I think he has a kid, and he gets in this terrible car accident. And he almost dies, and they're wheeling him away on the on the gurney, he's like, I'm gay! <laughs> I'm gay! Yeah, he's just yeah. screaming it to the paramedics because he comes up, because he realizes, like, he can't live a lie anymore. Yeah. And all these books I've read and all this stuff like that, the the through line is always someone who's experienced something that's uh, threatened their life or maybe opened their eyes in a way. And the thing to me, that it's sometimes it's like a thing where, is it possible for a person to experience that gravity of life without experiencing that uh. type of outward, th- like it seems like almost it's not really possible. Huh. It feels like it's really, obviously there's some people who've taken extreme amounts of psychedelics, which sort of simulates a death. It's yeah. it's like a thing where you almost die because you're, it's like when people do ayahuasca, right? You're basically dying. You're com- you're touching the You're touching the void for a little bit enough to be like, oh God, I am going to die. Like, you realize it. And I think, obviously, you had your your whole cancer thing, which has to be deeply impactful. Like, your life changed since then. Yeah. Dramatically. And I, I grew up with, like, some weird, you know, health issues that yeah. I think... I don't think it made me... Um, I don't think it made me have a realization of death as much as it sort of, like, made me be more fearless about stuff because I just... Because I was dealing with one thing, and so it made those other things that s- typically are people things people are scared of seem less scary. Because I, by not even thinking about it, just by comparison, in my subconscious, those things were not as intimidating to me. Right. But I feel like how does a, it seems so it seems really difficult for your average person who hasn't experienced anything significantly 
uh, traumatizing to find that? Like, it seems like it might not be possible. Well, I think that if that's the that's compassion that's when you start working that's compassion mm -hmm. meditation because if you start working on that muscle and <clears throat> start cultivating compassion then suddenly you, you i mean it's like yes pe so people like us or some people experience so like what did what compels buddha to leave the palace what compels buddha to leave the palace is he sees he an sees old man right he sees a a, a beggar uh, he sees or, or a renunciate. He sees a diseased person. Yeah, and so basically these are the so the, obviously the whole thing is a metaphor. You know, it's like what's the thing that will make people leave the palace of their preconditioned yeah. self? It's usually a realization of impermanence, to whatever it may, however it comes, whatever. The envelope is different for everybody, but mm -hmm. the letter is usually the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> but but the the. Uh, but you don't have to have that letter mailed to you. You can start working on compassion. Mm -hmm. And then when you start working on compassion, and, and in fact, if you look at the story of the Buddha, it wasn't that he lost someone he loved, and it wasn't that he got sick. And it he wasn't didn't at that, all, no. No, but he, seeing it was enough. Yeah. So if you can increase your sensitivity, or if you can expand the circumference of your family, out a few houses from your house then you will be in the direct presence of losing someone because guaranteed if you live in a neighborhood saying, yeah. there's in some house very close to you there's someone's something, dying something, something. someone's sick yeah you know but because we our consciousness tends to be localized to us and our direct circle of friends yeah it's so tribal tribal mm -hmm. it requires one of them blinking out for us to be like oh my god yeah. well meanwhile all just usually one house away someone's dying but that's just like whatever you know i don't know that person but in the and really it's like you i think at some level you are grieving for them it's just that mm -hmm. because that's because you're working so hard on building this callus up because i mean how are you going to live in the world if you have to live in in what the world is because so much of the way we live in the world is based on the way the world is not so if, if you really just look at our situation here as it is which is you know we're a essentially a, a web of energy plummeting into the abyss <laughs> and yeah and we're and we're doing this beautiful kaleidoscopic shape-shifting game where sometimes we're a person sometimes we're plants Sometimes we're, you know, and, and also we're sort of pinpointing different pieces of that matrix with our attention. That's the, our identity. And then this thing seems to be falling. And in the process of falling, it morphs. That's the reality. And then if so, if like your whole, the whole game you're playing is one where you're a pinpoint of sentient identity in this thing. And then on top of that, you're, tr you know, generally people are trying to assert this sense of self yeah and a delusion yeah uh, that this that, that they're not changing and then they're also trying to enforce a the delusion that what that their family is going to be around forever their job will be around forever yeah. their health will be around forever and 
this is all clearly just make make believe. It's like yeah, everything is so temporary. It's it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> I have this weird vision, not vision. You ever have to think of something that's like super basic and boring, but because of your remember mind state, it feels very emphatic, like a thing where if I were to say to you, I don't know, like everything is gray, like that's sort of just a thing but you think about something in a certain mind state and you're like oh my god i don't know i think i was outside here or maybe i was in the bathroom but i just remember thinking like um actually i think it was early in the morning when i just woke up i was like uh oh um every day is different <laughs> but I was thinking, it was like it was almost like a oh shit yeah like it literally is every single day everything well every fucking second every tiny little piece of time it's all always different and uh the idea that it's not is that's just like ridiculous that's like building a house on water or something like that exhausting too. yeah it's just so and it made me kind of laugh actually because i was like oh that's so funny to think like some of those cosmic things are if you think about it they're actually really funny yeah that's the, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is why you see like pictures of Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche. The look on their face in general is farting into a child's mouth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing funnier. <laughs> but you know, you see these people. They always look. They have this like cherub, like yeah. like like sense of humor. You look at the Dalai. Any of them? They all have this like because they have tuned into that. I mean, it's like that's you know the you know there's so much weight gets placed on a lot of these ideas that are maybe not that big a deal like so much weight you know it's funny i was interviewing damien eccles and he was saying you know magic starts with enlightenment like you start practicing magic but first you have to get enlightened okay you know what i mean where so many people are like yeah, i gotta get there it's the first step uh, is like i gotta relax yeah yeah, uh. yeah so you make a big deal out of it and yeah. and, and, the, and one, the reason you're making a big deal out of it is because you're really committed to holding up this illusion that you've been working so hard on holding up. Like you you just think of how much energy people put into like who they are and, 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 and oh, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of work and it's exhausting. And, you know, and that's why they say in Buddhism, the cause of suffering is attachment mm -hmm. because you're attaching yourself to an illusion and, you're it's like you're it, it's like it's, it, I guess the best way to put it would be you've painted a mural mm -hmm. like if okay right now if instead of your beautiful yard here you were working really hard to hold up <laughs> a perfectly painted mural of this exact yard yeah you know what I mean like you're you're putting all this energy into trying to hold up a thing that's that you don't need to hold up. Right. If you just draw, but you're like, I painted the mural. I worked all this time painting. Look what a great painter I am. Don't you see right. this is? But if you just drop it and you realize behind it is the actual thing, mm -hmm. what a relief! You don't have to yeah. work anymore at, at that particular game. And then it's a lot of relaxation. I would ensues. It's kind of like that whole samsara thing, right? The idea you have this thing that you make, and then it's just. And they destroy it once it's done because the you mean the mandalas that they do with yeah. the sand and they dump it in the river? Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. exactly. That's exactly it, man. It's just an exhausting game. Mm -hmm. 
to to involve yourself in to maintain like something about Leonard. I think Leonard Nimoy said this, which is weird to me that this would be a quote from him. He said, "There's no such thing as a perfect garden, only a perfect moment." Wow. And I always think about that because sometimes I get like hung up on what this fucking thing or this this thing didn't happen or this thing's dying. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you can't really do anything about that. There was a moment when it was great. Like this cucumber plant is pretty much dead. But about a month ago, it was like, Jesus Christ. It was like insane. It was like a fucking rocket. Dude. So It's so much. It's such a relief when you. And I, that's like Chokim Chopra Rinpoche describes. It. He's like, you know, people come home from work and they sit on the couch and they go. <sighs> <laughs> and it's like if, if you look at that. You realize, like, they have literally invented an illusion within which there's a moment where they can go. <sighs> yeah. But the idea is, like, every moment is you coming home from work. Every moment is that moment. It's it, it, everything is that. But you've decided, OK, when things look like this, that's when I'm tense. When things look like this, that's yeah. when I relax. And for some people. The, for them to relax, they almost would have, they would need a time machine. Like they would like need a combo time machine mixed in with some kind of like, I don't know, man, time, or a time freezer at the very yeah. least. Like they would need to freeze time and, and know that they had a thousand years of just them with everything silent and frozen. And then they could finally catch a breather. It's kind of like because vampires live for thousands of years, right? Is the idea, but it's funny to think about the vampires are vampires are bad. They're stressed. <laughs> vampires are bad because they always have to constantly have blood. They have all these like things they have to maintain with. They have to sleep in this coffin. They <laughs> like do all this shit. Buy your fucking powdered wigs yeah, if you're an Anne Rice vampire. You got to get your slippers in order. Yeah. Pay for maids. Oh, I, mean, God. I know vampires aren't cleaning their own fucking house. No. You got to get a maid. You got to deal with a mortgage. You're All a vampire. Stuff. How are you going to make money at night? You got to work a night shift or rob people. Yeah. You know, it's a real mess. It's a, But you get to live forever. But that's yeah. sort of almost like the punishment, right? Is you're saddled with this. Like, it sucks being a vampire because you have to fucking. You have to think about this living forever. If you kind of think about like, we're all kind of vampires in a way. Yeah. Like, and we're all living forever, yeah. Like capitalist vampires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're yeah. We, there is a vampiric yeah. quality to existence in that, in the sense that, like, it's and, and again to get, get get back to your book, it's like if you really look at like the archetype of the vampire, or if you look at the archetype of like a modern day person in capitalism, I think aside from the uh, parasitic nature of mm -hmm. the game, if you look at what the game de hinges on, the game depends depends on identifying with yourself so yeah. that's the whole game the, the, that's the nail and the cog yeah and it and it depends on you being nailed to time via this identification with your identity so the the that book you're you're describing to me i think that i i think i disagree with it and well what he's saying is you have to suffer I guess so. He's just saying, like, if you, your experience of the world is you're going to experience things as a human. You experience, like, uh, what's the word? You experience, like, um, tangible. You go through the world, and things are impressed upon you. You're not, you're moving through time and space, and 
you do have to deal with every with everything. You're you're not like suspend. We're not in a vacuum. Well, I think there's a, like one of the what's been pointed out to me is there's a big difference between pain and suffering. Well, I guess that's I think that's what he's trying to say. Basically, it's like the whole idea of the marathon is you're not suffering when you're training for a marathon because you it feels good because you are you have this thing that you're doing that makes you feel good even though it's uncomfortable. Like when I work out, like I don't want to work out, but when I start working out, I'm happy I did because it feels really good. Yeah. Well, that's pain. You know, because like... Uh, yeah, the, that, the, that makes sense what you're saying. The distinction yeah. between pain and suffering is that we're, like suf- suffering is like basically like suffer is unsatisfactory okay so it's like yeah so basically the suffering part is like so a person in the world many people in the world are dissatisfied right and the reason they're dissatisfied is because the world is not matching their delusion yeah so that's suffering right Mm -hmm. and so every day they walk around and are perpetually disappointed it's because their mind is crazy and that it has come up with a version of the world that isn't the world. Mm-hmm. How are you going to come up with a version of the world when every single moment is a brand new moment anyway? You can't keep up. You can't keep you up. You can't keep up, baby. Too much work. Mm-hmm. So they're suffering. And, and of course you're suffering. It's like, Jesus, you are going to be always disappointed if you think that you're the arbiter of the way things are <laughs> and the, you yeah. know what i mean and so that so so it sounds it, it, it's very simple which is like the moment you give up that game and actually the way things are is the way they are mm-hmm. and you're not playing that game so much even for a moment that's when you get the <sighs> now that doesn't mean that you're not going to feel pain it doesn't mean you're not going to get sick or it doesn't mean you're not going to get old it doesn't mean you're sometimes you're going to try to manipulate your environment yeah, all the same shit is going to happen. It's just the difference is this time when I get into traffic. You know, how often have you been in traffic with someone who's frustrated about traffic? Yeah. And in L.A. Oh, yeah. And they're frustrated. And you think to yourself, when have you not experienced traffic mm-hmm. here in L.A.? But you are still disappointed. Right. As though you thought today would be the day there would be no traffic. Today's going to be different. Right. Today's the day I'm going to be able to move through uh, physical spaces without impediment. Yeah. And it didn't happen today. And then they're like, God, ah, the city. It's like like swimming and be like, God, why is this so much work? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every time I get in the water, I sink unless I move my body in this way. God damn it. It would be a cool video to make a guy who's swimming. He's just so pissed that he can't swim, that he has to swim. Oh my God! We're like so pissed, like God, I'm so sick. What's wrong? I was like, I keep having to fucking breathe in and out every day. The water's broken. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> the water it's doesn't work. work. The water's, water's broken. Bugs. You know, in the old days, you used to not have to move. That would be switch. cool. That would be cool. <laughs> is to make a hidden camera thing where you go around, like get like some old old man actor to go around and complain to people, like. This, I'm sorry, but this pool is is broken. Like, what do you mean, sir? It's like, <laughs> I have to uh, move the water out of the way. It, it's so much work to get from this end to that end. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's water. Okay, well, um, I'm not paying for that. <laughs> um, okay, well, maybe that's this how, how this pool works, but 
I'm not paying for that water that, that does that. Doctor, I don't know what's happening to me, but if I go a certain amount of time without putting whatever the fuck this shit is into my mouth, it I feel like my throat hurts and I start craving it more and more. Oh, well, you have to drink water. Well, uh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to drink water. I don't want to drink that. Something's wrong with me that I would have to do this. Um, look, um, look here, okay. I'm not paying you to tell me to do this, okay. Uh, how much am I paying you? I'm, I'm not paying you to tell me that I have to keep drinking something. Uh, what is it? Is it 2020? Can we, can we, can we be on this now? Can we <laughs> fix this, please? And that marathon example, <laughs> you, if you, the reason like the marathon example is an interesting choice is that it's like. Well, what's really funny about a marathon is that you have an arbitrary finish line. Yeah. And when you go across the finish line, you are allowing yourself this v moment of celebration. Victory, yeah. And and except that it, you know soon after the marathon ends, the the victory dissipates and you have to find another arbitrary finish line. And it's it, this is more along the lines, the way I understand it, and it, it could be a confused understanding, is it's more along the lines of, at the very least, just recognize that you already finished. There is no finish right. line. Yeah, the idea that if you ha if you finish, uh, it's goal-based happiness or expectation-based, out outcome-based sort yeah. of thing. Where, oh, if I do this, then I'll feel good. Yeah. If this thing happens. I remember one time years ago, we I was on this this sort of, kind of wonky stand-up tour that was uh, extremely under-promoted because like, uh, the two companies that were doing it each thought the other one was doing it, so all the shows kind of sucked. We had this one show that was actually pretty well attended in some weird like Italian ballroom in some shit fucking town in the middle of New York. You know one of those sad, weird cities in western New York where it just feels like it died 30 years ago? Yes. Those kind of places that are just really... Kind of gnarly because it's where like the steel industry just is like a vacuum that just feels bleak. And we did a show there, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna fucking suck. They're not gonna get me at all. They're, it's gonna be a terrible thing." It was like four or five shows in, you know. So I was like, "Ah oh, man, I'm just gonna. Well, you know what? This is gonna suck. I'll have my. I had a Red Bull for energy. I was like, I'm just gonna have fun up there, I guess. And it was like the best show. Yeah. And everyone got. Everything and it was super super weird shit I was doing. Everyone was totally on board. All these super normal looking, sludgy, you know, yeah. loose t-shirt folk. Yeah, eating the worst marinara in a hundred miles. But it was great. It was fucking awesome because I just like totally put everything away. I didn't have an outcome because I was already like, well, if this is gonna suck, I might as well just bust out and be a fucking yeah. idiot and have fun with it. Yeah. It was the best. It the was best. the greatest. The best. And that's like one of those situations where, you know, it would be so great to always just be living in that thing where you're just, you don't give a fuck about anything. You're just going to have fun with it. Yeah. And you always, it's always the best when you just are going for broke on something because you don't care about what people think about Liberation. You. Yeah. So that's, liberating. That's the term liberation. Mm -hmm. And that in Buddhism is the term that gets used all the time is liberation. Really? You're liberating yourself. Yeah. It's like this is a liberation, and and also they all, they use a lot of times will use symbols of prisons, that in the idea being like, um, you know, some if you, okay if right if like let, to use your friend's marathon the book's marathon right. idea, 
which is essentially like talking about how you're in control of your perception. Uh-huh. But right now, if suddenly we realize, oh my God, we're locked into this garden. <laughs> We've been here for 20 years. There's yeah. guards outside. If we try to go outside the garden, we get shot. Mm-hmm. You know, this garden turns into a hell situation yeah. of awful. We're, you know, we're going to be sick of being trapped here with each other. We're going to be sick of being here. There's no way out. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, wh- that's not what this is. It's your beautiful garden and we can leave anytime we want. And if but if suddenly we remembered that was the case and we're like, oh, fuck, that was weird. We just had a shared delusion that we were stuck in a prison. Yeah. Our sense of relief and joy would be like so immense. We'd be like, oh, my God, it was like we were having a shared bad dream. Yeah. But we can leave this garden anytime we want. Right. So similarly, a human being is trapped in the garden of their identity. And the guard that keeps them from expanding out of that garden of their identity is their self-censoring mechanisms within them that are keeping them locked into the way they are. Well, I'm just a painter. I don't know anything about that. I'm, that. Just, I'm just this. I'm just this. I'm I couldn't move. I couldn't leave this place or go yeah. there or study that or pick up that or learn to play piano or right. learn to play violin. I couldn't try being gay or I couldn't try being straight or I couldn't <laughs> try being a mix. or I could, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would never wear ladies' clothes or I would never wear men's clothes or I don't mm-hmm. like that or this or that. All these things are, you know... Uh, I, I, I could never be a Republican. I never be a Democrat. I'm never going to listen to the Grateful Dead. I'm never going to listen to Taylor Swift. All these things are the walls of your prison. Oh, and, yeah. and, you're, and you realize like you've given yourself this terrible job of simultaneously being in a prison, building the prison, and guarding the prison. with the city. You're like running. It's a person who's been charged with running the prison that they've locked themselves inside of yeah. and pretending that that's not what's happening. So the identity, it's all this, you're, yeah. locked, you're the prisoner of your own identity that you've constructed and you decided that you can't, I can't be this other thing because I'm this thing already. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then on top of that, you're adding to the story. Well, I know I'm going to die. Oh, you are going to die. Oh my God, I'm going to die. And then maybe you're telling yourself, there's only this, this is all there is. Or you start telling yourself, well, when I die, this will go away or this won't be the same or there's all these crazy things attached to that. So you're also locked in to a perception of what it means to die and mm-hmm. what it means to be born. And also that thing you were talking about uh, regarding every single moment is a new moment. You've completely missed out on the fact that every time you breathe out and breathe in, you're dying every new moment. <laughs> you know what I mean, so you're already yeah. dying. You're already like, it's already happening. And so the thing you were most afraid of, you do every moment. You don't even think about it. And then, so anyway, the point is like. It's like not wearing clothes because they're going to deteriorate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so then once the, the reason that, you know, this mode of thinking, it's compared to like, if you were standing on your head, so if everybody, so if on, we lived in a crazy planet where you're born and the moment a child is born, they stand the baby on its head and everybody's standing on their head and they think that's how you do it. You walk around with your arms on your head, mm-hmm. the legs dangle at the top and you know, you're at, you, maybe you talk with your ass, yeah, right? Who knows? You talk with farts in your ass in this awful fucking world. Well, if all of a sudden somebody was like, just by sheer luck, managed to start walking on their legs and standing upright, they would seem enlightened to the ass people because they would be like, what the fuck? But it really isn't a big deal. It's actually just the way things are, Mm -hmm. and that's a normal person. So similarly, you could say 
perceptually we live on a planet of people who talk with their ass and think with their shit and yeah. and and but really take that very seriously mm -hmm. and are very committed to that and so this i think buddhism is merely saying well actually you know you're supposed to walk on your feet and talk with your mouth yeah. and but if so many people are committed to supporting the crazy notion that we walk on our hands and talk with our ass in the sense that we live in a reverse state of being fixated on the me instead of the infinite space around the me mm -hmm. that gets nothing it's all the me all the fact that you're in an infinite universe as well yeah but you've made up a boundary between you and that it's, See, yeah, it's, it's hilarious all, yeah. it's a fun game it's like the whole thing with the all these stuff with with ufos and stuff now it's just so it's been 100 percent pretty much confirmed there's something outside of the earth yeah that is existing independent of the earth mm -hmm. but it's like gotta worry about other stuff <laughs> even though because those two things they don't really even it's such they're so far away from each other that they make it seem like uh you can't possibly make the fixation on something temporal make sense with the same universe where these extraterrestrials exist. Exactly. So you have to you just be like, well, that's 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 fun, but let's talk about let's talk about Congress right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you believe Congress adjourned without giving us a stimulus package? Let's talk about that <laughs> on a UFO. Yeah. This is to me like I want to record. I just hope that there's a recording of the first human complaint on a UFO. Oh my god. That's all. I just want to hear that. I want to hear the first human who gets on a UFO, maybe that they, they get chosen. Yeah. It's flying like faster than the speed of light going through a wormhole to a paradise planet. I want to hear the moment they like click whatever the intercom is and they're like, "Um, it smells bad in here." There's a weird I'm no, I don't mean to complain. I love the UFO, but the the, the bath the water it's not getting as hot as I like. Mhm. Uh you know what I mean? Like yeah. people are still gonna complain as long as you're fixated on the identity, you're gonna complain. Yeah. As long as you think you have a self or you're a you, things are gonna continue to be unsatisfactory. Well, also, it's possible that the aliens um, they haven't been here or they already have been here all this time. You know that guy Michu Kaku? Yeah. I think he says that he's sort of like. He thinks that the the chances of of um, an extraterrestrial race being recognizable because they're in the same sort of state of whatever we would call evolution or yeah. development that's close enough to where we are is astronomical. See, this, you know why I disagree with that? Why? Because in, and maybe he correct or he like goes well, further. He just says the odds are more. The odds are more likely that that's something. That is, we just don't recognize it. Well, no, this is what I disagree with about yeah. him. Is like, he, if he's implying that there's an well, life, I get it, like yeah. some kind of life. But if we're going to talk about sentient life, or we're going to talk about a, a self-cognizant, yeah. sentient form that's advanced, he's. It seems like he's missing. It's like saying, like, well, you know, the odds of everyone speaking the same language on the planet or zero if you go far enough people speak a different language right. and what do you what a, if 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 let's like imagine there's a uh, a continent on the planet that speaks a different language that for whatever reason has not been contacted by the rest of the planet right. and we're all super advanced 
we speak a different language than they do. But we also have like airplanes and electricity mm -hmm. and we want to go there and show them our medicines and, and help them. What are we going to do? We're not going to wait for them to find us to learn our language you learn we're going to go there and speak their language to them yeah you learn it yeah. from you learn it and that's a cool it could be happening too well no what i'm it's saying is form is language so like you know what i mean so i'm saying oh is you're saying like okay i see what you're saying so you're saying that basically um if there is sort of humanoid aliens it's not that's not necessarily the aliens they're, they're taking a, f a humanoid form to show yeah that they are Ooh, that's spooky. They're translating. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like, so they're like, they're doing an analysis. Because if they show up as giant spiders, then we're going to be scared yeah. and try to kill them. But on a planet of giant spiders, <laughs> yeah. that's what they'd show up yeah, as. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that's, that's just like being right. polite. Right. It's like, and also, you know, the, where we're at, I think in our evolutionary progress as tool using beings is that, you know, right now, if we want to change our physical appearance, it's controversial. Uh-huh. Someone, you know, want, gets plastic surgery and they, they that's like actually controversial. If someone, right. you know, gets the wrinkles taken out of their eyes or gets a breast enhancement, there is a huge part of the human population that will ferociously judge them yeah. for altering their physical form. Mm -hmm. Because we are, that, again, it goes back to the identification with the self. Yeah. And we, it's not just that we're identified with the self. It's that that's all you are and don't fuck with your avatar, yeah. you know, and, and that's just where we're at right now. And it's mm -hmm. causing all kinds of problems. People are just like, don't tell me what pronoun to call you, motherfucker. Why you're born as like you are forever. <laughs> that thing. Yeah. People get mad. People get so mad. Stay the way you are, motherfucker. That's what you were born as and act like it. And so this is again. Why are you wearing boots? Yeah. Don't nobody wears fucking boots. You're going to wear flip flops in the mall. That shit, whatever yeah. it is. And, uh, you know, so, and, and I think the, the reason there is so much resistance to it is really because it, it, a lot of times it requires surgery or drugs. If there was a way to instantaneously transform your physical appearance, mm -hmm. nobody would really be, first of all, it wouldn't matter if there were still, there would, there would be holdouts. There would be some asshole in Nebraska who was like, I'm staying me for till I die. While all over the planet, if there was some new technology where people are turning into unicorns, penguins, men, women, birds, uh, any, any form they want, all over the planet, there'd be this hilarious shape-shifting that would happen. And it would be a new and very enjoyable period of human history. But so to think that these aliens, that what he's implying is that whatever the original form of the alien is, mm -hmm. they're going to stick to that form? Surely when your technology gets advanced enough, right. the first thing you're going to start doing is altering yourself at the quantum level. So you can, you can uh, relate to these things that are less advanced. And interact with right. very, like, in other words, like, if I, like right now, humans think, if I'm going to go to the moon, then what I'm going to do is get in a, a fucking metal ship, land on the moon, wear a big puffy outfit, breathe oxygen, and walk around the moon. Now, for a human, they have to do that because we haven't figured out a way to convert our bodies mm -hmm. into a form that would be able to exist in space, in the vacuum of space, maybe turn light into whatever. We don't know, because uh, if we could, we, do it yet. We, wouldn't turn, we wouldn't get in a spaceship and fly to the moon. We would turn into some kind of mist that teleported onto the moon and could hang out there. So like Star Trek. 
Yeah, yeah. We we're, we so all of our technology is based on adhering to a human form, and I think that that I would say that if things keep going the way they're going, then more than likely we'll be able to technologically shift our form into anything that we can imagine, and that's probably what an advanced species is already doing. When they or they're doing that thing where basically they've been doing this entire time, and they are just like the whole spore theory, where they're just everything we have right now is. It's been put here by something foreign, or not foreign, but uh, extraterrestrial, and it's we're just this sort of like a farm in a way. It's like a thing that's been grown yeah. from, because time changes. So if you're if you're someplace, you know, uh, however far away, you can check back, and it's like a thing where it's they can check back the same way I check on like fucking tomatoes growing. Yeah, it's the same way like a like. 20,000 years has happened on Earth, or maybe it can be a, a million years on Earth. It's like a thing where, like the whole spore theory. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah, what's that called? It's called panspermia. Yeah. So, like, basically, this is th that idea is, goes along the lines of, like, okay, so we are this advanced species, mm -hmm. and here's how we teleport we send out these m spores in the form of in cosmic dust, and the spores travel infinitely through time and space where they, if they find certain planets, they Embedded. appear as single-celled organisms, which then begin to evolve and multiply yeah. until they become some kind of form that works perfectly with that planet. And then once they become that form that works perfectly with the planet, the most advanced version of that form begins to technologically have, because it's built into it, yeah. begins to technologically work on what we call a quantum computer, a quantum supremacy. Once the quantum computer is created, then the quantum computer takes over and begins to give them ideas about how to construct uh, certain forms of technology, which they don't even realize what they're doing is constructing portals through which us, the advanced <laughs> beings, way, way, way far, far away are going to emerge through, except right. the difference is that we don't emerge through the portal. It's that we literally are the things like we are the alien we don't yeah. realize that we're the alien beaming onto this planet we think we're well we were born here you I know mean, what that kind of is in a way in a weird way it's kind of christian how so because it's uh we we are made in god's image oh yeah it's kind of christian that's right well, that, that's it. I mean, that's the, the that's the uh, the bridge to Christ Christianity and ev evolution and uh, what they, what's the other thing they call it? intelligent design. That's I think that's that's the bridge. Yeah, that'd be cool to start a church where that's the church of the bridge of evolution and uh, intelligent design. I, man, I mean, you go back and look yeah. at that shit. It, it definitely. It, uh, first of all, in the book of Genesis that you're referring to, there's a plurality. Oh, it, it says we. It says, you know, if they eat of the tree of life they will become like us <laughs> it doesn't say yeah. it'll become like me it right. says it'll become like us it says that really yeah it's God. a plurality it'll become like us do i have to find this right now this would be funny to have this play right now um I'm trying to find the book of genesis being read by a computer <laughs> just put it in text-to-speech translator of uh, Cut and paste the book of Genesis. Well, here it is. I got it. Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. See, the man has become like one of us, 
knowing good and evil. And now, he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Yeah, aliens yeah. are here. We are aliens traveling through ourselves. We are aliens. We're just living here. We are the aliens. Mark Twain was an alien. I have proof of it. You know, I also think it's an alien. You know that girl Malala? No. You know, she's that in, that an Indian, or she's I'm sorry, not Pak. She's uh, Afghani, the Afghani girl who like you know told the Taliban to fuck off. She's like twelve years old. Remember that? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like she's an alien. But you know what also I learned about her recently? It's crazy. It just goes back to my same old stupid theory. You know, she got shot in the head by the Taliban. Yep. She survived. Yep. So she's like fucking unborn. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's like, yeah. you can, how can you, you can't, if you survive a gunshot wound to the head, you can't be fucked with. She's invincible. Yeah, she's invincible. Like telling the fucking Taliban, the little 12 year old girl. Yeah. Like, you are, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean, it's and just then crazy. They they, and think of the person who failed in that assassination. How much, like that person How did. Much it. Shame you have. Yeah. It's like you got a big old fucking Taliban dick in your butt. What a dick, those motherfuckers. Talk about insanity, but just that. I mean, you look at that. Oh, the controlling, like that level of it. Trying I, that, to control people. To me, that's the joy of the like, you know, all the fucking Buddhist non-permanent whatever shit aside, man. To me. The joy of, like, aliens literally showing up and being cooler than fuck mm -hmm. and being, like, and just dropping, like, all of a sudden, it's like the way they communicate with us is through ideas. And all of a sudden, every single person on the planet has a perfect understanding of how using basic household shit to build anti-grav mechanisms, it's actually very easy, mm -hmm. requires household material. That's how advanced they are. They're like, oh, yeah, if you got a microwave, some wax... Couple, of, you got some wax. you got a microwave and some wax and some grass and some semen. You need semen, and jizz, you know. Or if you don't have jizz, that's fine. You can mm -hmm. use your spit. But the point is, like, they just all of a sudden everyone gets this sudden intuitive understanding of how using shit around them to build a perfect craft that they could safely travel through space and time on. The moment that happened, and the first, you know, you would be sitting here and the idea would have come to your head, but people maybe got it a little sooner. And you'd be seeing all these ships just shooting up into the sky. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they would try to make wax illegal. Like it would come on the TV. Like it'd be like Lindsey Graham being like, don't make the UFO. We, look, we've, we've done, we've run the numbers and the simulations have told us that wax is, this is a carcinogen. It's a serious problem. We have to eliminate it. You got to stay on the planet. I have no intention of leaving this planet that I was born on. I will continue to pay taxes on this planet. I, I will not leave this planet. There's nothing you can do to stop me from going after this planet. I was born here. I was born in America. I'm staying right here, my love. It. I will stay here. And also, I do. And they'll say shit like this. They would say things like, "If you leave, you can't come back. You can't come back. It's, it's like you go to a concert. If you go outside, you can't come back in." <laughs> No re-entry. No, no re-entry re to this planet. You go. You ain't. And like they would, because that's the main thing. Is like because their their identity is so fixated mm -hmm. on having power that an aliens literally are the ultimate threat to that. Because the, these assholes, their power. The moment we became galactic and could go to other planets, we could travel to all the. Like we find out, there's literally seven trillion. Mm -hmm. 
Earth-like planets growing every day. Uh-oh. You can go to anyone you want, anytime, via some brand new technology. All of a sudden, Trump, all the great world leaders, they're just, they're literally rednecks. They, be- yeah. they like, at that moment, they become the person at the park screaming into a megaphone. They seem silly, absurd, dumb. Yeah. Like, imagine Trump giving a press conference after galactic travel is possible and humans have moved into the universe into a trillion different planets and seeing that dumb shit give a press conference he becomes like the like he he becomes like a clown yeah people you know it, it would be funny to watch that the only reason these people are able to do what they do is the same reason like if the teacher left and put some dumb shit in charge of the class to take names. Mm-hmm. That's what these people are. They yeah. depend on us being stuck on the planet to exert the ridiculous dominance that they have, all of them. Well, it's like the uh, you make it so people imprison themselves. or It's all that same shit where the, the greatest way to stop anything is to get the peop- people involved to tell on themselves, to like enforce it yeah. themselves so you don't have to enforce it. I can't think of where that comes from. There's something where that's like, you know, it's like moving out of the house, man. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, if once humanity gets to move out of the fucking little apartment we've been living in with the alcoholic, abusive father yeah. that we've been stuck with, who's given us a list of ridiculous rules that we shouldn't have to abide by, that every single one of us knows is absolutely, oh, really? I can't smoke marijuana? <laughs> oh, really? So you're going to kill me if I smoke marijuana? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, I'm going to pretend that makes sense. That makes lots of sense. So you're going to put me in jail for smoking marijuana? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess that makes sense, Dad. All right. And then the moment you can leave, you fucking split. That's the terrestrial situation. Mm -hmm. These fucks depend on us being earth-locked. We're (laughs) earth-locked. They depend on it. Yeah. The moment we're no longer earth-locked, it's like, what do you get? Now, go ahead and force your stupid fucking weed laws on your dumb little fucking planet where we're everywhere now. Everyone's going to leave. Everyone, no, to me, that's the most hilarious part is the people who were spending all their time ruining our lives by enforcing these idiotic rules. They're going to be the first ones to go. That's what's funny. They're going to split. You think Lindsey Graham's sticking around? We found a great place. We found a real sweet little ranch. It's 10 billion miles away, and it's it. We like it. I think it's going to be good. I've enjoyed serving you. But I'm gonna go now. Well, because doesn't isn't supposedly this the theory that that Trump has something on Lindsey Graham? There's like some sort of weird quid pro quo going on right now, where anyone who's towing the line for Trump has they have something on that person, and so it's like this weird thing. So they would like to be free of that themselves. They would love to be like, oh, I don't have to fucking do this bullshit anymore. I can I can uh, do what I want. I, Lindsey Graham can have sex with attractive young Filipino men because <laughs> like, that's what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, it's like, poor guy. It's like, that guy, man, it's like, that's the one, you know, I don't like Lindsey Graham's politics. I think he's a fucking, just a slime, really. I don't, but it's like, there is such a tragedy when a person's getting shamed for being gay. It's like, I, I feel bad about, I ever, oh, all it's the. so sad. It's the saddest, it's, it's like. the saddest thing. It's so like, uh, it's also just so uh, archaic. It's like, fucking what? Ar- it's fucking archaic. Like man. no one gives a shit. Who gives a sh- actual shit about that anymore? Who gives? It truly is like, oh, I care. I know, man. I actually care. It I also know. seems to be 
it's like laughable to think that someone would really care about something like that. Well, it's the game they're playing. It's an old yeah. stupid game, man. And and that's why you know the first step is liberate yourself from the gravity well of your identity, and then maybe after that, the aliens will come and like give you the technology to split from the planet. That's why anytime I win a game in Call of Duty, right for we win the game, I say, well look who's gay now. <laughs> Do you really say that? One time I said that, and I think it was the funniest thing I've ever said in the game. Did it piss them off? Probably, because isn't that a great joke? Dude. Well, look who's gay now. We won. I guess we're not gay. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Because that is the... Dude, I, I got to get back. I used to have so much fun playing Mortal Kombat. I, oh, because all the people get so pissed. Yeah, because you can use cheap moves. Yeah. And you just do this cheap air kick over and over until they start cursing you and then you hear them yelling at you but then i started to feel bad because like you'd have someone being like you motherfucker you fucking bitch fuck if i ever found you i'd you know i'd fucking and then you hear their baby start crying yeah and you're like i can't do this i do the opposite i say i want to suck your dick so fucking hard right now when i lose (laughs) or act like you guys fucking sucked our dicks just now like (laughs) you lost bitch like yeah, I fucking lose into the power of your spray of your dick. <laughs> <laughs> or that or that or also doing a thing where like sometimes I do get so tilted that I have to if I exercise control and actually like I'm not going to get pissed about this. It feels so good to not to just like oh, I'm just having fun right now. Like trying weird shit. Man, it's a that to me is Call like Call of Duty therapy. It's one of the most annoying th- any game that doesn't allow for people to talk shit to each other. It's such a to yeah. me, a cowardly decision, but I get it because some, you know, you don't want to like, you could cause you know, people get murdered. People go to people's houses and kill them, right? They they like find yeah. out where they live and kill them if, from from shit talking because they're just so keyed up on it. Because that, I mean, and a, man, that is like the new cable guy movie. It's like, <gasps> you know, yeah. that's the new cable guy. It's just some middle aged dude playing Call of Duty, just talks shit, and he just falls in love with some other dude, but it's like he. Because he's not gay, he wants to, he kills, I don't know, it could be something like that. Who knows what it is. Pemberton! Yep. I gotta get out of here, what I'm broiling. What, I know, I'm broiling as fuck. What should we play, what should we, we should goof with something real quick. Okay. Let me find something good to goof with, this is good. It's pretty good goof, right? Yeah. Welcome to downtown. <laughs> Ready for the beat to drop. Are you going to rap? What I is might. DT, double S, double L, double E, all hell, W, trust, 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 L. Double hockey sticks. It's two S's, two L's in the garden's hell. Till the rain falls next, you know you're in heaven. Motherfuckers moving away. He's doing it. He's gay. Live in all places at once. Locality, I say no to totality. Got a house in every state. Got a third bathroom where I masturbate. Got a little fucking toilet where I flip off the lid. Check it out, I got a brand new kid. Coming down the pipe, slice it up. Oh my God, then I make me throw up. Oh daddy, can I go outside and play with the snakes? No, stay inside with your mom and help her bake. You gotta play with the snakes to learn But you're not old enough yet, you're gonna burn The snakes in my garden, they fight The snakes in my garden, they fight The snakes in my garden, they lie Tell you to eat the poisonous fries 
that can grow from my potato tree. Boy, get inside, listen to me. Boy, come inside, I got a treat for you. It's called Big Brown Bubble and Blue. Check out what it's called, Daddy Snake. I'm gonna make you a little cake and you're gonna make a keep ramen snake with bake. Take me downtown, lick up on my butt till the bomb comes around. Bubble and butt, your motherfucker cold what? So what? I bust a nut. You were born at the edge of a cliff. Now look at your daddy while he shape shifts. You got it right, I'm a snake. Not a mistake, and you'll be one day. Till then, stops hissing and slithering. Till then, stop whispering and whistling. You're a human baby now, but pretty soon you're gonna be a snake. I'm riding in a motorized cow. Gonna eat a bunch of donuts till I turn into one. I got big things called a cum gun. Looking at the leaf on the tree. Watching that PP tree. D-R-I-P, take a drip, take a sip. Bitch, I'm gonna unload this clip of butts. Panspermia, Ooh. it's a recipe that I'm gonna learn ya. <laughs> it's easy to make, just take your cum on the oven it bakes. Pretty soon it makes some space. Next thing you know, there's planets in your face. Got a bunch then of spores. to the planet in the form of yourself and you name yourself Janet. People call me Spore Whore, cause they've been opening up universal doors, dropping off planets until they get new life forms. We're coming back till you, we got a dorm made of humans and we're gonna make micheladas to cool down cause it's hot as a motherfucker. I feel like a rock in the desert, but I got some clouds up, thank fucking God, I'm a, uh. Lindsey Graham, I know who I am. I'm very gay and you can call me ma'am or sir. <laughs> I don't know what happened to this. Lip, 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 butterflies. Oh, forgive me. Thanks for being here. Oh, God, Johnny. Thanks for having me, man. I'm going to miss you. I'll miss you, too. But I'll be back. Yeah, you'll be back. I'm I mean, it's a there. fucking six-hour flight. It's not that big a deal after this damn pandemic ends. It kind of is a long flight, actually. Six hours? Who gives a fuck? Out. I spend that long doing nothing every day. Six-hour flight. Six-hour flight. Six-hour flight. Six-hour flight. Six-hour flight. Six-hour flight.